Why, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll find a place for you to take that load off. The boys are just about to start. If you've been here before, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on a few details. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And I tell you what, you came at a great time too. The boys are walking through the entire Bible from cover to cover, one story at a time. Speaking of stories, we'd love to hear yours. So why don't you tell us all about it in that box below called comments. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. Oh, and just a little reminder for everybody. The competition is still going on until November 5th. 2020. For those of you who don't know what that is, listen to last week's episode and you'll know. And I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the door. I got to go. Those boys had better get the lead out and get going. This crowd seems restless. I'm coming. I'm coming. Order up. Up to now, we are up to chapter 15 in the book of Genesis. Right. We've covered the beginning, the end of the beginning, the flood of the beginning, <laughs> the, the fall and the whole thing in Egypt and Sarai and Abram and the, the biblical rendition of Lord of the Rings where they had the, the king duke out by Sodom. Um, now we are up to uh, chapter 15 where it says uh, the Lord's covenant with Abram. Justin, you want to give us a, a rundown of what this chapter's over and then introduce our, our guest with us? How about I introduce our guest first? Uh, we have Brother Mike. We've had him on the show a couple times before, uh, which was quite enjoyable. So he has uh, joined us. Go ahead and say hi, Mike. Hey, guys. It's good to be with you guys again. Excellent. Okay, so a very rapid fire just raced right through this. Uh, this is God's covenant with Abraham, basically God came to, uh, at this time, actually his name was not Abraham, it was Abram, and as we go through this part of the story, at least just this chapter, you find that God is directly involved and interested in Abraham's life, and basically God comes down to him and he talks about these promises that that he's going to give him, Uh, like one of the promises was... Uh, that, uh, what was it, look at the stars and you, your generations will no, outnumber the uh, stars, you know, the number of stars out there, you know. And, and then there's another one, like he starts, like God himself comes down to him in a vision and said, God says, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So God's already starting this. In, in a positive note with Abraham, telling him, okay, listen, I, I, I'm coming to you because I want to propose something to you. I want a promise to be upheld within you. And later on, he talks about, oh, where is it? Oh, man, there's just, there's just like little bits and pieces to like tear this apart. Why don't we just go ahead and do that as we go through the story? Both, to both of you guys, 
I find it interesting that almost every time in Scripture that we see God showing himself in a vision or God showing himself in a dream or an angel coming down in a dream, it always says, do not be afraid. How does that strike you guys in Scripture? Yeah, I guess I can chime in. Um, I know that uh, what's interesting also to, to add in with what you're saying is a lot of Middle Eastern people, uh, you know, they'll still claim to have visions and dreams and things like that. And uh, uh, it, it, and when that comes in, in the Middle East, these uh, visions and dreams, you know, I've read several accounts where Muslims would convert to Christianity, and a lot of times God would bring uh, these visions and dreams to them. It's not that these visions and dreams are a avenue by which they get saved, but for some reason God uses these. Well, no, I'm, I'm just bringing it up because the interesting thing about the do not be afraid, I see this all over Scripture, is often when you hear people have, well, I, I guess, let me, let me put it this way, and I, I know this is not the avenue that we were going down with this story, but when you have people that talk about like real, you know, intense spiritual uh, incidences and, and, you know, like, it sounds like, wait a minute, I don't, then maybe they get into some mystical thing, you know, maybe this isn't Christian. Often they'll say a lot of stuff like, well, and I saw, you know, this ghost of my parent or whatever, and I was so afraid, or I saw this vision, I was so afraid, and, you know, but it seems like all throughout Scripture, God says, God starts, the angels start with, don't be afraid. That's like right off the bat, listen, you have no need to fear me. Now, last time uh, Brother Mike joined us, he told us what fear meant. And so when I read it, um, fear not, this whole reverence around fear, when it comes to God, where it is, we're not worthy to listen, we're not worthy to be in your presence, you're just so great, where he's like, stop, listen to the words I'm saying, <laughs> you know, look at me. You know, I'm not going to smite you right now. <laughs> Fear not. Right and now. just pay attention because I have something to share with you. <laughs> well, and that's where it goes. Because, like, the right next thing that God says is, or I'm sorry, the right next, next thing that it said is, uh, Abraham says, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my household is Eleazar of Damascus. And then Abraham said, I'm saying Abram said, "Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one not one born in my house is my heir." And so like he's already coming to God and, and or God's coming to him and he's he's already saying, "Uh, well, thanks for these promises, but I don't know what to do with them." <laughs> like what do I do with this promise because I don't have an heir to share this promise with that you've given me. So I'm I'm reading in my uh, my split version, King James on one side, NIV in the other. And uh, Brother Mike, please correct me if uh, I'm inaccurate in this. Because side by side, um, verse 2 in the King James, it says, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this, Eliezer of Damascus. Now, flip over, and it says, Sovereign Lord, 
What can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar, because you've given me no children, so a servant is going to be my heir. Is that him pretty much saying that he's already fathered a child? Or I don't have anyone, so I'm going to have to give it to my servant? As I understand it, though, Eleazar, isn't he a like vice manager type of thing? Like I thought he was like the manager of his estate. Well, because later on, there's like, there's another story where El- Eliezer, he, after, you know, Abraham is given a child and da, 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 and let's much farther down the story, and his child needs a wife, doesn't he send Eliezer? Eliezer? So, and, which, apparently, this is the guy that's, like, been his right-hand man this whole time. And then God, God comes back to him and he says, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body shall be the heir, or shall be your heir. And then all the way down here it says, uh, in verse 6, and this part, I love this part, because it says, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it, and he the, the next he is capital H-E, accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, and I know there's a lot of talk in, in modern Christian circles that there was no righteousness before Christ. But right here, all it says is Abram believed in the Lord and he, meaning God, accounted it unto him as righteousness. So apparently there was if I don't know I don't know how to how to really word this uh, appropriately, but apparently there was salvation, there was righteousness before Christ ever came because this he was I guess you could say Abraham was, or Abram, was anticipating the promise, not receiving in the promise, if you know what, I'm, if you know what I mean. So he was accepting of, of God's promise before the promise was fully fulfilled. So it was, it was almost like when you go to a restaurant, you know, when, Tom, when you go to a restaurant and you buy a steak, poor cow, when you buy that steak, uh, you're buying it on credit. You haven't paid for it yet, and you're still eating it. So it's kind of, at least that's kind of the way I see it, like like that. I mean, what do you guys think about that? When when uh, God asked Abraham or, or told him what he was going to do, and of course Abraham looks at his own resources, his own wisdom. He looks at, you know, all the physical things that he could see through his eyes and sees that this is this is impossible. I, I don't see how this can be done, but because God promised it, you know, I believe it. And his belief wasn't in any physical resource. It wasn't in any wisdom of man or it wasn't anything. And that belief right there was because he believed God can do something without being dependent on what he saw, then that was counted for him righteousness, not because Abraham is righteous, it's because his belief housed the faith that God's righteousness could be demonstrated through him. And so he just believed. He said, oh, I don't know how this can happen, but I have the faith to do it. And because he had that kind of faith, then that 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 gave a dwelling place for God to perform something through him. And so God saw that righteousness could be demonstrated uh, through Abraham through that. So yeah, I think that's a neat part of it. That's beautiful. I I also think that um, Abraham or Abram, <laughs> Abram. Um, 
is so receptive because of the his past, what he's already been delivered through, what God has already helped him and his his family accomplish. Three hundred and fourteen, three hundred and fourteen. Uh, well-trained men. Oh, right, right, right. Went in the middle of the night and and sacked the city. You know, he knows that God is is true to His word. He's already kept all the promises up to this point, so he has not given Abram any reason to doubt. And for all of these instances of Abram walking in faith, is just strengthening it. Okay, you got me this far. Why would I misstep now? You're saying me, telling me this. You've gotten me through Egypt. You've gotten me through this battle. To this point, there's no reason to doubt. Well, what about this next part? In verse 8, it says, And he said, meaning Abram, Lord God, so we're jumping down a couple of verses, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit this? Is that a doubt statement, or is that a, I, I would like, I, I guess, signatures on this paper, Lord? Or maybe it's clarity. Oh. You know, in, instead of, well, how do I know what you're saying is true? Maybe it's, how will I recognize it? Okay. Yeah. Assurance. I think uh, uh, if somebody gives me instruction about uh, to do something, and it's a very important job to get done. I got to make sure the instructions right. And so I think that's probably the attitude. I need to have that full assurance. How do I know, you know, that uh, this is going to be done? Maybe in doubt of himself, of his own weakness, but wanting to make sure that uh, God's going to come through with this. Right. Well, and I, I know this. God, Tom, why don't you take up this next section about the command that God gives? Because I know you find this one just so whacked. <laughs> so, okay, you go ahead and explain this and go. See, <laughs> this is a, a really specific covenant that God's getting ready to make with Abram. My preacher, uh, Pastor Cody, had expressed this in a way that cracks me up every time I think about it. When he says, thank God for Jesus' sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice this covenant between God and us um, otherwise we'd be going to buy a car with livestock cutting them in half and meeting the the dealership guy halfway through maybe it would make car salesmen a little more honest just say <laughs> but but still I think it's I think it's funny um, yeah I'll, I'll read it because uh, paraphrasing doesn't doesn't add to the story and down here in verse 9 yep and he said unto him take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he took unto him all of these he took the whole zoo and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other, but the birds he didn't divide. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Adam drove them away. 
And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Now, if God was trying to make a point, <laughs> I think he made it. <laughs> just, just in. Okay, so, all right, you stopped at like 15? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit past that, uh, and then I want to jump back to 16 for just a minute. Uh, and it came to pass when the sun went down, and it came darkness, and there appeared smoke, uh, smoking oven and burning torch that passed between those pieces, because this is just completing your story about meeting in the middle. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants is given this land from the river of from the river of Egypt to the great river uh, Euphrates. And the Kenites, the Kezizites, the Kejimites, the Amorites, Canaanites. <laughs> okay. So basically the promise is finished because God, the way that this, this covenant thing was supposed to go is, is, and it wasn't supposed to necessarily be this many animals all every time, but the way that it kind of functioned was, Tom, if you and I had an agreement, we would cut an animal in half, we would set it on both sides, we would meet in the, between the two animals, and we would make this agreement and say, if either of us basically break this agreement, let what has happened to these animals happen to us. That's like the kind of agreement, that's what it's for. Okay, so let us be rent asunder if we so much as break this covenant at all. And that's what, that's what I find fascinating about this, because like you just said about that, but I want to jump to 16 for just a second. And this is where God is just ending part of his promise. He says, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here. This is a prophecy more or less about when they were stuck in Egypt for 400 years. And for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What do you guys think that means? Oh boy, that's a good one. Um, I think, well, in, when the Israel people were going into the promised land, uh, God told them, hey, don't think it's because of your righteousness that you get this place. Uh, they were just simply a vessel of God as if they were united with God to accomplish his judgment upon the Amorites. And so, but yet God was orchestrating all this. Yes, it was a blessing and a benefit to the Israel people. It was a picture of the gospel uh, and God orchestrated all this, but the true intention was uh, that God is ultimately a judge, and uh, the app, and He gave the space for the Amorites, and when they're completely full, whatever that means, uh, then God will use the Israel people as a part of Himself to bring that judgment, and that's what He told uh, uh, the Israel people: Hey, just don't think that you get to go in here because of you. It's not because you're a part of Me. And I ha and I and you get the privilege to be a part of me in giving judgment to the world. Right, and and I would agree with that. And where he's talking about, just for those of you who may not know, he's talking about all the way up in the book of Joshua, which is several books ahead, 
So basically, let's fast forward a little bit. The the Jews are they're a huge nation now. Abram's dead, and you know Noah. I'm sorry, uh, Moses has taken them out of the Egypt. Da 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 da. God has used them great. They're now getting ready to go into the land of promise, or um, the promised land, as it's called several times. And what ends up happening? And let me just read something to you in Joshua. And it, it's perfect. I'm gl- so glad that that you went down this way. Uh, The Holy Spirit's working here. Now, before they lay down, so this is uh, Joshua 2.8. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them. This is the story of Rahab. Okay, so they're in the city of Jericho, and the spies are in there. And this is Rahab speaking to the spies. And she said, uh, and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you this land, that the terror of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord has dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were in the other side of the Jordan. And then it goes on and on and on. Here's the bottom line. The people living in the land of Canaan at that time knew that that land was not theirs covenantially they knew it was not theirs and this little just this little passage in uh genesis uh, was it genesis fifteen sixteen, is talking about how god's like okay listen you cannot inhabit this land because in this phrase here that says the iniquity of the amorites is not yet full iniquity iniquity basically means sin and basically god is saying listen i still have people in the Amorite nation whom I can save. Their iniquity is not so far gone that they cannot be saved yet. Their iniquity is not yet full. So that's why God never sent them. And I'm, I'm so glad, Mike, that you went down that path because that's what God said. Listen, don't think that I've given you this land because you guys are so great. You guys are actually the least of the nations. I'm giving, I'm giving this to you because of a covenant and because I want to be able to use you. That is awesome. So to put this into a, a nowadays thing, how would you know if God has called you to do something that's greater than you are? How would you react? Yeah, I can chime in on this. I think the the right kind of mindset when you see God God wants to call us not so that we can do something isolated from Him. God is only satisfied with great things that he can accomplish through us. So our so our meaningless works that we try to do to please God, it's not going to ever satisfy him. He's only going to be satisfied by the work that he does. And in order for that to be accomplished, there has to be a covenant. There has to be a covenant relationship. In that covenant relationship, there becomes there's a unity that takes place. So that means not only do we get to get to know God as God of who he is, but we actually get to be united with him in an intimate relationship that we get to be a part of his work. So we just become a vessel of his work. And so this is, you know, uh, Genesis chapter 15, it demonstrates this, is that, hey, God is not, God wants to do powerful and amazing things, and he wants me to be a part of it, and in order for me to be a part of it, I got to enter into this covenant with him and have a mind of him. I don't I don't have a perspective, uh, you know, at God that I'm performing good works. 
but I have my mind is empty of my own will and I'm filled with his passions and his desires and his promises. And I use and submit and yield my body as a vessel for his will to be accomplished. And so that way I'm I'm just simply that uh, if you want to think of it as an empty work glove on earth. And my prayer is that God name would be hollowed and reverenced and feared and the uh, the majesty and the glory of god would be represented on earth and i just want to be a work love of that so he can fill me and he can do what he wants to accomplish that are amazing and mighty things but when god calls us to mighty things i don't think he's expecting us to try to do them in our own power it's a covenant relationship to be united with him so that our hearts can be a place for his heart to be demonstrated, his mind to be demonstrated, and his power to be demonstrated through us. That is awesome. So, I mean, if... I mean, because that's that's perfect, because there's one thing that, when, when it comes to God calling people, all throughout Scripture, I've noticed there are several things that end up happening. Number one, there's always a step out in faith. There's always a, you got to do something to engage and to prove that you really do believe in this promise, believe in this calling. So like one of Abraham's things was, obviously, you know, he cut all his animals in half and he knew he did not have a descendant. So that goes completely contrary to what God's promise is. You know, I'm going to promise you all this through your all descendants. I don't have one, God. God's like, don't worry about that detail. I can take care of that. You know, and then there's that step out and Abraham goes, or Abram at this time goes, okay, all right, all right, so I I'm guess I'm just going to go forward as if I'm going to have children. And then another thing that God does, so like, number one, God always, there's always a, you have to basically listen in faith and take that step. And there's also another thing that happens, which Abraham did, or I'm sorry, not Abraham did, but which God did. God equipped. So no matter what the situation is, no matter what, because like at, at this time, like the, the failure of the promise is quite frankly, they don't have kids. But that's a failure in their eyes and in our eyes. But God's like, no, I can take care of it. Don't worry about it. And God equips Abraham, as in later on we find out they do end up having a child. They do end up having Isaac, or in the Hebrew, Isaac. And, I mean, that's too big continued. But <laughs> <laughs> as, as far as to answer your question, though, Tom, I mean, it, it's it's very difficult for me to say, oh, well, yeah, I, I jump up and do it exactly what God said. Well, I'm sorry, I'm a I'm a failure of a man. I mean, like, I'm one of those guys that's like, God, you got to spell this out to me. <laughs> I want to um, connect some dots that probably don't exist here, but I want you guys to correct me here. Um, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So this covenant that God made, the sacrifice and resurrection, the keeping of that promise, that's not it. In order for, like Brother Mike here said, to keep our end of that covenant is to be that empty work glove. It's it's taking that it's taking that promise, taking that covenant that that Christ fulfilled with the world and I don't I don't know to keep with the analogy of the work glove I guess to to you know allow that hand to come into the work glove and allow it to be used 
allow that vessel to be used, allow that vessel to be filled. I've noticed there's a, yeah, I am on social media. I am on a bunch of um, Christian circle pages. You know, uh, I, I I read a lot of their input, and a lot of people become complacent in the fact that, well, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. That's it. Oh, so you're talking about like the magical prayer thing. Right. Like you just say the magical prayer and you got it. You know, and when when it's brought up that there's more to the story and they bring up, nope, you, there's nothing you can do to add to God's promise. And I agree. But there's a, a, a time where it's no longer a sacrifice, where it's no longer um, a hindrance, um, where it's something that you want to do. It's something you're led to, so no longer is it a forced work or forced action because you're just allowing God to move through you because you chose to, because you want to uphold your end of that covenant to reestablish that, that link of communication. Right. There's We've mentioned this before. Uh, there's a big difference between keeping the Ten Commandments to be saved and I am saved, therefore I want to. There's a big difference there. Big, big difference. Okay, That's not even two sides of the same coin. That's a, There's a big difference. There's I'm doing works because I'm the one who's making this covenant. God, I'm going to be a good person. Or that is, Jesus, you've done so much for me. I love you and I do not wish to offend you. So therefore I will. So it's, it's uh, yeah, we, we've talked about this before, about the submission, right? Right. In order to have that relationship with Christ or with God, or even to be part of this covenant, you have to have that submissive attitude. And I think, I think Mike put that uh, very, very well. So we end here talking about the Gergeshites and the Jebusites and a lot of foreshadowing. And I think this is a good spot to sign off with a period and a to be continued and join us next week as we talk about Hagar and they call me Ishmael. They call me Ishmael. Hey, Brother Mike, would you like to lead us out of here in prayer? Yes, I'll pray. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, this uh, podcast here. And uh, just, uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be have the liberty to touch the hearts and minds of those who listen. And, of course, we're encouraged when we, when we talk about your word. And, and I just pray that these truths about a covenant would uh, uh, be practical in us. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers. Help us, Lord, to realize that there's truths in here that we desperately need to, to grow in our knowledge of and, uh, until it begins to bear fruit through us. And so, Lord, please bless, bring clarity. May your Holy Spirit guide us one step at a time. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, thanks again for joining us, everybody. This has been Tom. This has been Justin. This is Brother Mike. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next week. All right. We love you guys. Well, hello, everyone. Now that this is all over, I hope you had a great time. Now, listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up. And the boys gave me this note to let you know. You can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Podcast, Podcast, 
What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. And until, Lord willing, we'll see you again. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.